Live from the Jacob Media Studios, it's Serving Our Nation with Dr. Paul McCullough on News Talk 1400 WOND. Be inspired, learn and understand the power of becoming a servant leader and transform your life while serving our nation. Meet those who have served our country. Learn about prosperity and overcome sickness, poverty, and despair. Serving Our Nation begins right now. Welcome to Episode 12 of Serving Our Nation on News Talk 1400 WOND. I'm your host, Reverend Dr. Paul McCullough, and before we do anything else, I want to say Happy Mother's Day to all the moms that are listening out there today. If you're listening to the program for the first time, I'm going to briefly share with you the heart behind Serving Our Nation. This is a program that is focused on encouraging people to become servant leaders. I'm going to offer you hope and encouragement through at least two guests each week that show through stories of their life, their walk, how they focus on servant leadership and honor God. And from that, blessings just naturally follow as a natural byproduct. Because beyond the shadow of a doubt, serving is for everyone in all walks of life. In some of our previous episodes, you've heard from a lot of different guests. Previously in military, you heard from Command Sergeant Major Frank Swerko. In the area of business, you heard from Colonel Retired Dean DeSibio. In faith, just last week, Pastor Brian White. In community last week, Pastor Mike Cherry. And in family, you heard from my kids, Paul and Sarah McCullough, of how they are servant leaders within our family. And the point of all these guests is to demonstrate to you that when you see a need, you have to fill a need. Because we are all ministers, and we're all given very special gifts by God, and we're called to use those gifts to serve other people. Now, I want to tell you just a little bit about me before we go any further. I've been married for nearly 23 years, and we began our married life by living in Germany by four years. And so today, pulling that thread just a little bit further, I have the great pleasure for Mother's Day, of having my wife, Heather McCullough, on the program in the first half. Heather is a school-based teacher leader. She's been an educator for 23 years, and she's the recipient of multiple teaching awards. In the second half, I have a good friend of Heather's, Miss Missy Gingrich. She's a principal, a mentor, and a military mom. When we come back from the break, I'll be joined by my beautiful wife, Heather McCullough. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Serving Our Nation on News Talk 1400 WOND. I'm your host, Reverend Dr. Paul McCullough, and I'm joined here today by my wife, Heather A. McCullough. Heather, happy Mother's Day and happy Teacher Appreciation Week. Thank you so much, Paul. It's nice to be here. Um, Thank you for having me on your program. Well, Heather, you know, we've been together for a long time, and you have really helped me grow into the person that I am today. I've tried. And here on Mother's Day, I can think of no other person that I want to have on the program besides you, the mother of our kids. Aw, thanks. So listen, speaking of Mother's Day, I want to start off by asking you, what does Mother's Day mean to you as a military mom of 14 years. So Mother's Day as a, as a military mom, um, 
is is really special. Um, I had the privilege of not only serving and raising my own children, but when I worked for the Department of Defense um, and taught in Germany and in Japan, I felt like, you know, my kids were part of my family and, and their family was part of my extended family. And so um, taking care of military children had been um, my mission for 20 years, uh, 20 years of our life. So it just got ingrained um, into who I am today. Well, our kids are 17 and 12, soon to be 13. But our son spent 14 of those years traveling around with us, bebopping around the world yep. as part of the Army. For you as a mom, what was the hardest part of raising kids in a military culture? Having a 17-year-old son and a soon-to-be 13-year-old girl, it's a very interesting dynamic. So the most difficult part was seeing their little hearts get ripped out when we moved from place to place. Um, it's it's not easy to make friends uh, when you move, you know, every two to three years and you have to start all over again. You have to rebuild yourself up as a person. Um, but they would go onto the playground and run up to a, someone and just say, hey, my name is Sarah. Do you want to be my friend? And it was it was just that easy. It, of course, got more difficult as the years went on because they have formed attachments. And when we moved from Japan um, to our current location, uh, it was the first time my daughter was old enough to really realize the the relationships that she had left behind. And so we wound up getting a dog out of the deal. So Sarah's ability to navigate those kind of circumstances, and you didn't talk about Paul, I'd like to get your thoughts on him as well, but that didn't happen by accident. You spent a lot of time pouring into them and helping to develop their emotional state because that's certainly not my strong suit. <laughs> yeah, so you know everything we we do as a as a family, um, we help each other and build each other up. And so, um, if it was something as simple as you know making coercing my children to you know go up and talk to someone that they haven't met or even um, asking for an extra ketchup packet when we were at the food court or something like that just to get them out of themselves and out of their bubble so that they would be um, more conducive to going up to people and, and making friendships because they had to make friendships fast because we moved very often and so we wanted them to have people in their lives that they cared about and um, my son has formed very good relationships with people and, you know, we have very good friends that live in Korea right now that we met in Japan and um, other friends that we met in Japan and, you know, lived in Germany that we went to go see. And so he knows people from all over the world. So, you know, if he wants to go vacation somewhere, um, he could pretty much pick his spot. So with all the things that we've done and all the places we've gone and all the good and bad circumstances that we've walked through together as a family. What has been the best part of that experience for you as an Army mom? So I think the best part was, um, you know, being an educator and, and seeing my kids learning continually. They, they, they learn through... Uh, when we were in Japan, just walking out the front gate um, and just uh, seeing and exploring the culture, they learn the language in classes. And, um, you know, we watch movies now. We're like, hey, we've been there. We've been there. But they really have a very broad um, knowledge base and are, are very aware of 
um, not only, you know, differences in the world, but, but how to embrace them and, yes. and how to help make our world a better place because they know lots of people's perspectives. Yes. Well, a couple of times in your thoughts for the past few minutes, you talked about being a teacher. And I wonder if you would share with the listeners how, when, and why you decided to become a teacher and how that's influenced you as a mom of our kids. So I wanted to be a teacher since I was in the fourth grade. Um, my I was never good academically, um, but I did excel at reading and spelling. And I had a friend uh, who was not so good in reading and spelling, but she was good in math. And so she put us together and we tutored each other and helped each other out. And um, then when I moved up a grade, I went back to my elementary school and was able to tutor kids then. And then my high school guidance counselor told me um, I would never make it as a classroom teacher because there were so many people applying for positions and um, not enough job openings. And so I went into college. We went to King's College together. Um as a communications major. And I worked at the Catholic Youth Center, which is like a before and after school care program um, for students. And I worked with the kindergarten class. And, you know, one of the kids just, just stole my heart, more than one stole my heart, but one like really caught my heart. He um, was displaced from his parents and was um, living with a foster family. And every time I would go, he would latch onto my leg and wouldn't let me go. And I was like, I, I'm out. I'm changing my major um, and went back to teaching. I love that story. I've heard that story a dozen times, but I love that story. Well, I want to ask you, of all the places that we've been and all the different assignments we've had, what has been your favorite place to teach and why? It's a difficult, that's a really difficult question because um, every time we move, I feel like I I grow into this new person. I like morph into something different. Um, I love teaching in, in Germany. Um, I had some great, I taught, taught multi-age education, first, second, and third grade in the same classroom um, and taught with an amazing partner, Jamie Hardman, and I miss her. Um, and I also love teaching in Japan. Um, I had an awesome partner there too, Alana Steppi, um, who I miss teaching with. Um, and the kids and the mili military um, families that I worked with. Um, but right now I work in Kensington, the city of Philadelphia. Um, and it's a pretty difficult place to work. Um, but we, I absolutely love it. I love the kids and I love our families and I love our staff because we are more of a family. Um, there at, um, I teach at Lewis Elkin Elementary than I have felt anywhere else. What do you do for Lewis Elkin? What's your role there? I am a school-based teacher leader. Um, so basically I coach teachers and um, part of coaching teachers is also making sure that their social emotional well-being is taken care of. And, you know, this pandemic has, has wreaked havoc on um, teaching. None of us went to school to teach in this virtual way. Um, and our teachers are just absolutely rocking it. They've, they've built the plane while they're flying it. And um, it's, it's been a really amazing experience to see um, how well our teachers have thrived 
um, through this experience and our students as well. You know, walking alongside you these past five or six years since we've moved back to the States after Japan, I've watched you in your role as an SPTO, and I've seen how it can be physically, mentally, and emotionally draining for you, but I also know at the same time how life-giving it is for you. And this is a really, really special way of serving other people. On a daily basis, you're mentoring and quite literally serving other teachers with all the things that you do for them. How does that experience compare for you to actually being a classroom teacher? I know that being in the classroom and actually teaching students is kind of like being in command and having soldiers, and it was hard for me to give that up. Mm -hmm. So was it hard for you to give up being in the classroom and now being a teacher of teachers? Mm -hmm. Yeah, it it absolutely was. Um, I lament being in the classroom a lot. Um, But when I think big picture, I think about how many more lives I'm influencing because I am out of the classroom and not just able to affect the students in, in my own classroom, but I get to affect Um, the students that are in all the classrooms of the teachers that I mentor. And I also provide um, district-wide professional development. And so, um, you know, using my summertime to do that, I was like, "Eh, do I really want to do that? You know, Um, but thinking about how many teachers came through the program and how many, um, how many students that they affect on a daily basis is well, well worth it. And um, I can really say that we we do take care of our teachers. I um, was noticing lately that our teachers were really struggling. You know, it's it's May and it's feeling like the first day of school. As a matter of fact, our school just came back in person. Um, and so we, we've had several first days of school this year. And um, so I said, you know what, it's time for some mocktails. And so, uh, you know, we got together out in the schoolyard and just had some mixed juices and things like that and just had a nice time played some cornhole and um, got to be with each other in a socially distanced um, masked kind of way outside well you've been in education for 23 years Mm -hmm. and you've been on both sides as a teacher and now a teacher of teachers i wonder what has been either the most rewarding or the most difficult experience in your time in education? Is there something that stands out to you as, wow, I can't believe I got to do that or I can't believe I got through that? So I I will say um, that at Elkin, a lot of my job is advocating um, and making sure that our students have what they need to just access their education. Um, we were not a one-to-one you know, computer school and I was able to Um, help facilitate our students getting Chromebooks. Um, I worked with the city to help um, our students get internet because once they have the hardware, then they need the the broadband. So um, I was able to do that. So not keeping quiet and, um, but also knowing when, you know, I've, I've nudged enough um, is a, is a line, you know, you have to really know how to navigate. Um, But I would say that, I, I think that the most challenging and the most rewarding is is being at Elkin and um, ensuring that our kids have everything that they need to succeed. I love your heart behind that. And I know that now you recently completed your master's degree about a year or two ago, and you're working towards completing 
your certification to become a principal. What do you hope to then be able to do to serve others in that capacity as either a principal or an assistant principal? What's the driving force behind that? Mm. My driving force is a lot of people behind me pushing me to it. Um, it's definitely was out of my comfort zone. Um, but through, you know, my leadership programs and through other people, you know, telling me how much I influence their lives, I have um, acquiesced to this is this is my next step in life. And, you know, God's telling me that this is the direction I need to move. And so I need to listen. Um, and so if anyone is looking for an assistant principal, I will be on the market. I am going to be taking my um, my test and I am looking to um, have an extraordinary impact on the lives of students, um, making sure that they have everything that they need to succeed. One of the principal's you know, major jobs is to take care of um, the well-being of their students and to make sure that there are no barriers in the way for teachers to take care of their students. Well, Heather, we've got about 30 seconds or so left. I wonder what advice would you give to young teachers who are just starting in their career and they want to grow, but they're not quite sure what their next steps are? So first I would say take care of yourself. Um, if you don't take care of yourself first and put your mask on, you can't take care of anyone else. Um, then I would say learn as much as you can. When you, um, when you go through college, you're not going to know all the answers. Um, there's very few college courses that are going to teach you everything that you need to know about being a teacher. And so that's up to you to make sure that you have what you need to give to your own students. Hearing about your story in education and all the things that you have done. I want to thank you so much for being on and thank you for what you've done for our family as the mother of our children. You're welcome. Thank you for having me here today. All right. When we come back from the break, I'll be joined by Miss Missy Gingrich. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Go to the bar and greet all the customers inside. If you're interested in connecting with Dr. Paul McCullough or interested in being featured on the show, contact Jacob Media Partners via LinkedIn. Now, back to Serving Our Nation. Welcome back to Serving Our Nation on News Talk 1400 WOND. I'm your host, Reverend Dr. Paul McCullough, and I'm joined here today by Miss Missy Gingrich. Missy, thank you so much for joining the program today. Good morning, Reverend Paul. It's a pleasure, and I'm humbled to be with you. Well, listen, I really appreciate you taking the time, especially on Mother's Day. And I know that you've been friends with my wife for quite a while, and she really looks up to you and respects you for all the different things that you've done. So I'm really looking forward to our conversation here today. Oh, thank you for that. I really, really just adore Heather, as well as your children and you. And I had the fortunate pleasure of being stationed at the same duty station with you and um, really love the impact that you have on the people around you. Thank you for letting me visit with you today. Thank you. Well, listen, the first thing that I'd like to ask you about, if it's okay, is, you know, today is Mother's Day, and when you sent me your bio, you had talked about being a mama was your best teaching job. I, I wonder if you would unpack that for the listeners of what that means to you, why being a mama was your best teaching job. 
I've had many educational opportunities teaching various levels of children and adults around the world. Yes, the best and most difficult job I ever had as a teacher was being a mama. So where I'm from in East Tennessee, which is kind of in the neck of the woods where Dolly Parton's is from, we don't say mom, we say mama. And mama, my mama, and my grandmama across the street, we all lived in the same little area there, um, impacted me greatly on my values, my beliefs, my work ethic, and most importantly, what you should and should not do when you raise children. So when I had my own two, I was very far away from my mama and my grandmama because my husband was active duty army and we were moving and the majority of his career we were overseas. So I didn't have that strong connection. And I found as raising my children really isolated at many times, I found I learned so much and recalled so much from my upbringing. I read a lot of books. I combined that with what my mama and my grandmama taught me. And then I worked with my children, hundreds of kids in school. I have taught hundreds of kids over the years. Nothing is more difficult and nothing can truly prepare you as prepared as you want to be for raising your own two children. Yet my children are in their 30s now, and I am in awe of them. And, that, um, and of course, as a mama, that nothing I did seemed to scar them too much, and they turned out okay. <laughs> but also what I learned through those experiences, and that they're just amazing. And as adults in this world, I still continue to learn from them, and the roles have reversed. So I think anyone that has their children and they're going through, how do I help my kindergartner make it through the day without being confused or coming home and saying, why, why did this happen? What happened here? Or how do I help my fifth grader understand that this social media pressure is something that we work through together? And then how do I help my, my, my middle school child who's looking at her best friend who's suicidal? How do I help my child be part of me still of our values and how I want my children to be raised to be still part of society today. And then as they graduate from high school and determine whether they're going to college or career, as a mama, how do you help them? How do you continue to hold their hand when they really do not want their hands held and support them? Everything you do with those little kids makes a difference, alter their life. I learned so much about being a mama as I was being a mama. <laughs> And as I said, now I have the blessed opportunity to have my kids grown, and uh, I learn from them. I don't have grandkids yet, but I hope to someday because I think that'll be a new learning experience that I'm ready for. <laughs> Missy, I love your story, and I love the heart behind it, especially how you shared that you learned from your mama and your grandmama, just the passion that you have for family and your children is really just heartwarming. And I'm not quite on the other side of parenting yet like you are, but I definitely resonate with what you're saying regarding the struggles that kids have to deal with. And I was remiss. Let me take the opportunity to wish you a very happy Mother's Day and a happy <laughs> Teacher Appreciation Week. Thank you. Thank you. It has been a fun week at our school. <laughs> Well, I know that you have bebopped around the globe a lot with your husband and all the various positions that you've held in education. What has it been like for you to reinvent yourself with each move and bring your family along to each one of those steps in your journey? 
you know, I didn't realize it at first uh, that I was reinventing myself because I've always felt like, just as I kind of covered in the first question, my core values and who I am is who I am. So when I say reinvent myself, I'm not really always reinventing myself, but I'm remolding myself, recrafting myself to fit the needs of where we are and what we need. Um, when, you, when I moved as a military wife, my husband and I, when we got married and we're getting ready to celebrate our anniversary in about 10 days, and it'll be 36 years. Wow. Um, so, yes, so we committed. We really committed. So when we got married, we, um, I was teaching. It was my first year teaching, and he was finishing his degree in college, and uh, we decided... One and I was I was pregnant. First year we got married, I got pregnant, and we were so excited. But yet we looked at each other, and because of my values and his are similar, we talked about who was going to make the commitment of being the one who was going to be the primary caregiver. Because we had seen so many of our friends, and and we were probably in our mid twenties, so many of our friends already fall apart after having children because. It, it was pressure, no, you do this, no, you do this, and this kind of thing. And we didn't mean who was going to be solo, but who was going to have the lead. Yeah. And we discussed it, and I said, I want to do that. Even though I didn't feel I had the skill set at that time, I said, I will do that. I want to do that. So my husband um, stopped college and enlisted in the military, and we started that career. And then as I raised the children that are a year apart, and we moved around, and I looked at myself because I came into the marriage, and and already was, when I had my children, I already had my degree, and I'd finished that one year of teaching, and then went to being mom, and mom was my priority job. So to reinvent myself, I had my core values, my focus on being a mom. So while of course we all need money, and it's a blessing to have two incomes in a family household, if it was not good for my children, I did not work, and we did what we needed to do to be happy and to make ends meet, meet. And I can say that being a military wife, you always have those basics mostly taken care of. You always have your health care. You always have your infrastructure. You always have those pieces. And today our military spouses have a lot more of infrastructure than when I first started out in the military with my husband. So that infrastructure and that being is there and supportive. It's not easy, though. The military lifestyle is hard. So as a spouse, I was reinventing myself and retransitioning. I first looked at what I believed and what I felt. I looked at my kids and if my kids were okay. And then I decided what did I need to do for me professionally to support me as well as my family unit. Because everything you do in a relationship and a family, in my opinion, has always been, you know, now we use the word team effort, collaborative, but it's really your family. If you love your job, you've got your family at job at your work. It's yes. your family at work. Yes. So I always looked at my home as my family and then carried that that team building collaborative. How are we doing this together? And as, as I reinvented, I had a basic skill set, but moving around as a military wife, I have worked in education centers, I've worked at the BX, I've worked uh, as a substitute, a paraprofessional librarian's aide, recess monitor, long-term substitute, principal, assistant principal, content specialist, worked at headquarters offices, um, and, and now am the business manager in a school district. So when you look at transitioning and reinventing yourself, your core values in your family are what you always have. But as you look at the needs of yourself with your family, then you look at your career goals and what fits for you. 
and then as you mentioned, moving around a lot, many times it's, it's um, I don't like the word luck so much, but it is really God's will, what is available to you at that time, yes. and how you take that opportunity that God has given you. So those kinds of transitions and pieces are really what I look back on and think about, and honestly, at this point in my career, what I still think on. Well, I was very impressed when you rattled off all the different jobs that you've had. How long have you been in the education field? And of all the things that you've done, what was your favorite environment? Was it teaching in a public <laughs> environment, private, or was that DOD? What was best for you? So I got my teaching degree and, um, and, and when I graduated in college in 1982, I got my degree and there were no jobs. There was a surplus of teachers. And so I did various education jobs before, and this was before I was married. I, um, worked as a, an asbestos consultant, consultant for a firm and did those kinds of things. And I've always been involved in career areas that were full of public speaking and training soldiers in many places and that sort of thing. And, and, we have moved many, many times, as you said. So a lot of times I would have a job for six to eight months until something else came open as, uh, as it fit the family. But when I had my children a year apart, I didn't work for two or three years. My first year of teaching was a terrible experience. I, um, I walked away looking at my husband saying, if we need money really badly enough, I'm going to work at McDonald's because I'm never teaching again. <laughs> and that was not the case. And we ended up in Misawa, Japan, and I was uh, 28 years old and a stay-at-home mom with two babies a year apart. And uh, I had put in my teaching application but didn't really think I would. And the principal called me and said, we have a surplus of teachers. I need a teacher. Please come interview. And I said, we're leaving in six months. We have orders for PCSing. And besides, I have um, a two-year-old and three-year-old at this point. And no child care is available because the base was just inundated with uh, incoming troops. And the principal said, come see me. So I left there with a half-time job. He provided a, um, the CDC mission essential child care for me. And I started to work two days later. And this was in the Department of Defense Schools. And it was absolutely the most amazing, life-changing experience in my life. I loved the children. And uh, I was, uh, started as a high school teacher. I loved the children, I loved the environment, I loved my principal, I had my work family. A lot of those students are my Facebook friends today, and uh, I am, that, that was life-changing, truly life-changing. So I kind of put my toes back in the water, and we moved around, and I started teaching again. And I've had the opportunity to do third grade through 12th grade, and then be an administrator in, in, from kinder up. But my favorite place to teach is not a place, it's a who. I truly have a special place in my heart for students who are working on second language acquisition. We used to call it English as a second language student, and then sometimes it's referred to as TFAL. But those students who are acquiring English are mesmerizing to me. They are so talented, so dedicated. They are sponges, and they are exploring the world. And to watch them grow and just their depth and their range, it's just phenomenal. That's a true passion of mine. I love that uh, whether I'm in Texas, whether I, I'm, you know, in some DOD overseas schools, those are the children. That's what I love to do. Missy, I love your passion for education. And, you know, we've got about a minute left, so I have to ask you <laughs> this question. 
So I'm, I'm friends with you on Facebook, and so many times mm -hmm. I see you respond positively, especially when it comes to something related to education, and you use the phrase vitamin G. I have to ask you, what does that mean, and how did you come up with it? <laughs> so I had an Oprah magazine, and, she, and the, the whole thing was about gratitude. And I tend to be a person who's thankful. I usually tend to be very very positive, at least on the positive side. Even when things aren't going so well, I'm usually positive. And it was this gratitude magazine, and I started reading it, and she was talking about gratitude and what it means. So I did some personal research on it and found that if you can find gratitude in situations, if you can find the faith in yourself to be thankful to the point that you're grateful, it takes away a lot of fear. You can't be angry when you do that. It takes away frustration. It helps you reflect and refocus on the meaning of what's going on. So, so many times, particularly with Facebook, I have the most amazing Facebook friends. I have never unfriended anyone on Facebook. I've never had a need to do such a thing. And, and so when I think about some of the situations and just reading what people put there and then what their children are doing and, and what they're doing in their careers, I am truly grateful to have them in my life. It is a blessing to me every time I see vitamin G. I am grateful for what I get and what I receive. And I'm grateful sometimes when things don't look so perfect because there is something positive in there. I'm grateful for my friends and myself when we can see that inkling and know and feel it. And just like as we're talking about Mother's Day, I am so grateful for the mamas that I have in my family and for those that are not my born mamas, that have been my mother and my mentor because I have been gone from home for a long time. And there's many mamas out there that have been gifts to me that I am truly full of vitamin G4 and to be able to um, give them some thanks and appreciation today. Well, Missy, I'm going to steal that line because now that I know what it means, I love it and I'm going to start using it. And I want to give vitamin G to you because I am so grateful for having you on the program today. It has meant so much to have you on, to hear your passion for education, to hear your passion for being a mama, and just to share some of the leadership lessons that you've learned during your very rich career. I can't thank you enough for coming on the program today. Oh, Reverend Paul, vitamin G to you. Thank you. <laughs> All right. Well, listen, when we come back from the break, we're going to reflect on the lessons of servant leadership that we've heard from today's guests. Stay with us. We'll be right back. When I'm down in the valley, under the shadow of death, I know you are with me. You are my very breath. W223CO Atlantic City. Live from the Jacob Media Studios, it's Serving Our Nation with Dr. Paul McCullough on News Talk 1400 WOND. Be inspired, learn and understand the power of becoming a servant leader and transform your life while serving our nation. Meet those who have served our country. Learn about prosperity and overcome sickness, poverty, and despair. Serving Our Nation begins right now. Welcome back to Serving Our Nation on News Talk 1400 WOND. I'm your host, Reverend Dr. Paul McCullough, and as we close out today's show, let's just briefly reflect on what we've heard from today's guests. You heard 
both women. Both are educators with an extraordinary passion for what they do. And I heard the heart in both women's voice talking about how they want to serve their teachers. They want to serve their students. And when you really look back, what you can see is that teachers do not have an easy job. It is difficult. It is challenging. It is trying. It wears on you physically, emotionally, mentally. But these educators are great at what they do. And when the students and the other teachers, they see you every day and they can have a huge impact on these other teachers and the students and it can help them achieve their life goals. It can help them grow both as students and as educators when you pour into them. And then in the aspect of the military, well, neither Heather nor Missy served directly in the military, but both of them were military wives. And I can tell you, firsthand how hard that has been for my wife and you heard it from Missy about how they have to pick up every two to three years and bebop around not just the country but the globe going to Japan and Germany and places that you would never imagine that you would ever be stationed at and you heard both women talk about this idea of reinventing themselves of being planted at a new place and they want to blossom. They want to figure out how they can be helpful to their families, how they can be helpful to their community. And so they go and get whatever job God puts in front of them. And you heard my wife in that regard talk about how people have poured into her, they've spoken into her about this idea of you're ready for the next step. You're ready to be an assistant principal and a principal. And she used the word acquiesce because my wife, quite honestly, is a very humble person. She's a very introverted person and she would never be bold enough to say, oh, well, I'm ready to be a principal. It was God using other people to speak words of life into her. People like Missy Gingrich and tons of other principals and teachers that she's had the opportunity to work with throughout the years. And so I want to personally wish all of the teachers that are listening right now, a very happy Teacher Appreciation Week because I am very grateful, vitamin G, for what teachers do. And then finally, when you talk about how you serve your family, both women, and I, I might be a little bit biased with my first guest being the mother of my children, but you heard both women talk about how they want to serve their kids in every location. They want to make sure that they're guiding their kids well, that they're helping them to navigate the circumstances of life. Being a mom is not easy, right? Like being a dad is a very different kind of job, but being a mom is so hard in so many ways. You have to be there emotionally for your kids. You heard Missy talk about how she wanted to be that primary caregiver for her family. And Heather didn't say it because again, she's humble, but she made that same statement years ago when we first started out. She put her career secondary to mine. And she let me go all across the world for the military. And she served as that primary caregiver. When I had to go on deployments and temporary duty and work late, she was there and kept the home fires burning. So to all the moms that are listening today, especially military moms, I say to you, thank you and happy Mother's Day. 
You know, each week I talk to you about putting good into the universe brings it back to you. And today we're talking about Mother's Day and we're talking about vitamin G. So I want to share with you this past week was a pretty difficult one for me. There was a lot of things that happened that were unexpected, created a lot of unexpected bills, unexpected situations, challenges, and so forth. But where I really have vitamin G regarding this past week is the support that I got from my family. My wife, my son, and my daughter all rallied around me to help pick me up emotionally to carry me through this difficult period of time. And they all did it in very, very different ways. They're all different people. But each one knew that dad was having a bit of a hard time. And they all rallied around me and they gave me the support that I need to get through the situation and get myself back into a good headspace. So I have vitamin G for that. Listen, next week, I have got two really special guests for you to hear from. The first is Miss Angie Pasitti. She's the leader of Next Steps at Kingsway Church. She's also the leader of the Growth Track Program, and she's a member of the Kingsway Leadership School lead team. And a good friend of Angie's uh, and mine is Mr. George Probasco. He's going to be the guest in the second half. George is a licensed minister like me. He's also the assistant director for Kingsway Leadership School, and he's the director of the Sunday Experience for Kingsway Church. So I'm really excited about talking to both of them next week. I want to remind you to sign up for my Spotify and Apple Podcast mailing list through my website at reverenddrpaul.com. That's R-E-V-D-R-Paul.com. And when you do that, I will send you out an email each week with what happened in the previous week where you can get the links and what's coming up in the next week. You can just check out the show tab on my website for previous episodes of this program, and I would love to have you sign up. As you go about your week, no matter where you're at, no matter what you're doing or who you're with, I encourage you to always ask, how can I help? Thanks so much for listening, and join us again next week. I know the night won't last. Oh, no. Your word.